I'm John Paul Murphy. And I'm Christian Humes. And you're listening to Watch World. This is Season 2, Episode 4 of Westworld, titled The Riddle of the Sphinx. If you've enjoyed the show, I ask everyone to please rate and leave a comment if you can. It's great to a lot of people are interested in Westworld and other types of TV, you know, so we just like to hear your feedback. Yeah, absolutely. Hashtag uh, WatchWorld if you want to get at us. Correct. If you have any questions or theories or anything you want to throw at us, hashtag WatchWorld on Twitter. John, I have a question for you. Yes, what is that? Which creature has one voice and yet becomes four-footed and two-footed and three-footed? I don't know, but what you're referencing is the Riddle of the Sphinx, correct? Yes, you are. And that creature is man who crawls on all fours as a baby, walks on two feet as an adult, and uses a walking stick in old age. That is correct. Uh, It is from, actually, Oedipus Rex. That is where the original sort of riddle comes from. It's Mm -hmm. referenced in there, but I don't think they actually, in the poem or in the play, actually say what you just said. Right. So you just basically, Sophocles should give you a a dollar. Yes. (laughs) For what you just did. Okay, so... Tagline for this episode is, is this now? If you're looking forward, you're looking in the wrong direction. That was just on the uh, description. So keep that in mind as we kind of go through the episode uh, here. I also want to give a shout out to Lisa Joy, who uh, is the co-creator of the show uh, with Jonathan Nolan, but did the direction of this episode, which I think so far, I think you would agree with me. I'm, I'm making that assumption that a couple weeks ago I said uh one that it was my favorite episode now yeah. this is my favorite episode and last week was one of my favorite episodes as well so it, I, this yeah. whole season i think is better than the first uh, yeah i think in each episode is just getting better and better which i think is a good thing to do overall thoughts on the episode other than you loved it oh i loved it i mean so last week i mentioned the opener grabbed me i love the cold opens on this show i love where we start and how much information they give us and how much they tease us each episode of course and i've seen a lot of people on the internet say this because i was like oh you know how do people feel i went to twitter i was like people like the episode people love in the episode people are saying great direction on the episode and everyone else is saying it's just like that season two premiere of lost that's what with i was Devin about to in say. the match and we- lost is my favorite tv show ever and it, that is my favorite crap. scene from it, lost and it's my favorite moment from Lost. and that's also the best season of the yeah. show for those that haven't watched Lost, so good the opening of this episode does it in a very similar way, which we are in a some what seems like a room that turns out to be a bunker of some type, mm-hmm. um, in which this character that we've been introduced this season, uh, James Delos, uh, the sort of father, the patriarchy of the Delos Corporation, is kind of hanging out in this sort of clean IKEA room, basically. And, but yeah, and then it opens up with a great song, a, 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 kind oh, of a really under a deep cut. It's so good. The, the way that Lost does it, it, the point of that opening is right. much different than what this is. Because the, it, the other season ends on a cliffhanger of like what's in the vault or what's in the, the hatch. Right. And then it cuts to, well, this is what's in the hatch, but you don't quite know that right away. And so then it does this cool, I think, yeah, transition. Yeah, this is a, a slightly different reveal, but it is something we've been wondering about. And there, it is a large reveal to a much bigger world. Yes, and also I think dives into a theory that you and I have been discussing over the last few episodes, which was what is the ultimate goal of Delos, the corporation, which it seems like we've now get confirmation that that is they are seeking immortality. Yep. Or at least a part of the singularity, the AI singularity, not the physics singularity. Yes. So it is merging. They're basically taking it's a little unclear to me, actually, what exactly how the how the science is working here but they're basically i guess taking james delos's conscious and putting it into a host yep and so it's a merging of the host and the mind like and his well and the thing is that whatever system that they have to recreate the mind it's not like the code of the hosts where they're building a personality and a backstory they and hoping they find their own way to consciousness this is a digital replication of a human mind yeah and the issue that they find obviously is they are seemingly incompatible yes so throughout the course of this episode we have multiple scenes yeah in which william as a younger younger man comes and visits james delos and he's testing this prototype yeah so i mean this opening scene because we'll get to those like repeats as as the episode goes through this opening scene what did you first think you were seeing as you watched him work out pour coffee jerk off 
what did you believe you were witnessing here? And when did you come to the actual realization? It reminded me a lot of that movie Contact. Do you know? Did you ever watch that? With, yeah, a uh, long time ago. Uh, so like, there's this wealthy like billionaire in that that uh, show who's basically funding the entire Jodie Foster's sort of whole project of communicating with aliens. Um, but he's dying of you know basically cancer or some type. So he keeps going through these extreme ways to keep himself alive. And at the end of like by the end of that movie, he's basically in space. Because it's like it'll slow the rate of his like things right. are killing him. So th- that's what I first thought was that he's in a contained space to keep himself alive, which he is in some ways, just not in the way initially that I thought. But as soon as he starts going through the the baseline test, which I knew that's like, oh, this is actually after whatever procedure yeah, has the been done. The second that, yep, it, I was like, oh, this is a test. Yeah, he has already transitioned here. I like the imagery of the fish in the fishbowl. That was a very nice representation of his character. He's actually reading a book here, and in the book, and you see the book on the coffee table as well, it's a story about a character who is unhinged or unstuck from time, you might say, and they sort of uh, are re-experiencing different moments, but they see like these times and places as different characters, and this is interesting because it both references what we'll see later in the episode is happening to Bernard, but also how this character, who is a man out of time now because he's actually been dead for some time, keeps yeah. reliving the same moment infinitely. Yeah, and he doesn't realize it. Which, another piece of imagery is that hourglass yep. on the keep, table. You can keep flipping it. Yeah, but it's, it's like the time isn't actually going anywhere. Yeah, it's just going to the second part. It's going to be yep. flipped over and restarted again. Exactly. Um, great, great set work. Great direction, great imagery. Yeah, he does have well a great done. quote in here too, which I think is like kind of the quote of the episode, other than the tagline, which is, "If you aim to cheat the devil, you owe him an offering." Yeah, which I think is a theme also for William, because William is going through this episode both as Ed Harris and as his younger self is like he realized what he did offer the devil may not be worth it, or or we so think. Yeah, so I thought like this was like a, I think this was some of the best scenes in the show. Like these scenes, because it kept it kept coming back. Because as the prototype basically keeps failing, you know, it, you're basically going through the years. And William's getting older, older yeah. and older. It was great to see the actors transition from one to the next. Yeah, and it's interesting to see, like, okay, so like this version of William, young William, is immediately after the events of season one, which right. he kind of has decided to be sort of not wear the white hat, sort of be, right. like starting to become like the bad guy. And so it's, and then it's interesting to see by the end of it, and we'll kind of get to it later. We'll talk with, with Ed Harris, and he's kind of like a very weathered, over it kind of person. Which you know? I and you believe is right before the events that take place in the current Westworld, and yeah. right before the yes, the Red CEO meeting. Yeah, and I think they should give a cinematography award to whoever captured just Ed Harris's weathered face. Incredible! It was like an amazing. <laughs> It's just amazing. I didn't believe that that... I mean, he's an incredible actor, and he's known for iconic roles. This may end up being his most iconic role by the end of this. This I, this I think series so. is going to be a work of art that's going to be remembered for a long time, assuming that they don't do something really stupid towards the end. Yeah, and I think he, he he's known for a lot of just generic bad guy roles throughout yeah. his life. So I think this is definitely, I think, his most dense and complicated character because it's almost hard to say he's a bad guy in many ways no yeah he's definitely a he has a lot of things yeah he's been a bad guy he's a man at conflict with the world and himself he is probably the most human exactly anything else on this kind of opening no i i loved it i really last week i said the introduction of the woman who you know we were saying is probably his daughter, which we did find out later in the episode. It is so we can just start calling her Emily now, and, yeah. and we'll talk about that when we get up to it. But now it'll just be easier to say like Emily. Yeah, your your theory was proved correct. <laughs> I loved that intro because I they were just like boom, here's another park. You're in another park. Here you are. It's one that none of us like. We guessed there was a hunting thing, but we didn't guess it would be the Raj period of India. Yeah, and it was such a reveal, and is a great new female character on the show. So it's like. Awesome. Great. A new human character to root for because I didn't feel like we really had any because it's still I was still like, am I supposed to root for the man in black? Ah. Yeah. And it's and now. Yeah. It's another dynamic. I think that's actually interesting. Right. Just for the sake of adding. But this topped it. This this topped it for me. So, yeah, no, I I loved it. Um, 
so then after this, we cut to William and Lawrence. This is after they've left that town uh, with with a basically Gus Fring character. Yeah. Um, they come across the a bunch of hosts uh, like of Chinese railroad workers. Yeah, and they're making a railroad, but it's they're making it now. They're nailing hosts down to the ground. It's so crazy. Yeah, William gets the idea. It's like they're not they're not building the track north anymore. They're building it another direction. So then he gets a sense we can't go this route. Right, everyone's headed west. Yeah, so that means everyone's drawn to the wherever it is, like whatever it is, whatever wherever it is. Everyone's headed there. Yeah, glory, salvation. Yes, the weapon. Yep, whatever it the is. door. Um, yeah. So any any I don't I didn't really have much about this scene other than I just found it striking. It was yes. striking, and I believe it was meant to be unsettling. I actually think that this was supposed to show us something about William here because the last time we saw him, as you said, it was when he had left that character that Ford had written in. Ford is still existing in this world within the lines of code into the universe that he's created. Yeah. And he's sort of this godlike character. And it's a reminder that, yes, William's still playing a game, but there's rules to that game. It's not completely wild because... William was like, great, I'm going to go manipulate these guys. I'm going to use them to my advantage. And Ford struck that all down. And then the next very next thing and the very next time we see him, Ford, uh, William is running into yet another complication. He's like, these guys aren't supposed to be doing this. Yeah. This is unsettling. And it's also almost random. Like he, It's shaking him up a little bit, I think. And it's supposed to be a little bit unsettling for him because it shows he can't just do what he did with Lawrence and show up and run the show anymore. Yeah, it's like it's basically lose it's in the point of the video game where you lose all your weapons and armor. Right. And you have to like restart and kind of have to use your basic most yeah. kind of a uh, uh, talents to uh win the game. Yep. Um which is I think a very much like a lot of video games do that nowadays. So then after this we get a scene in which Bernard is being dragged by Clementine. The end of last episode, he's being dragged away from the fort. She drags him to a cave. Where we get the return of Elsie, who had been basically chained up and being fed for... She must have been there for a few days, if yeah. not more, like a couple weeks at most, Yes, when Bernard took her, knocked her out. So that was my theory. I knew... I, I thought she was going to come back. Up to it, Max, a week has passed, but that's about the longest this could be. It's likely just been a matter of days. We've only seen night pass maybe twice at this point. Yeah. Um question for you what do you who who is clementine program for in this moment because she seems to not be taking bernard away from dolores seems to make sense that she is not necessarily working for dolores this could be a safety mechanism that ford has programmed into some of the hosts to make sure that bernard ends up wherever he's supposed to be yeah because ford didn't mean for elsie to get killed otherwise he would have had bernard kill her yeah so he knew Bernard would need her help for whatever reason. And so he had Bernard go and take her and lock her up. He didn't have him kill her. And then he had a host drag Bernard there. So that seems like the only answer because yeah. he's the only person who knew she was there because he sent Bernard to bring her there. Yeah. So, so yeah. So I think like that's something to think about. Return of Elsie, she doesn't. Nice kind of thing where she doesn't trust you, like doesn't trust Bernard, but right. she does trust hosts more than she does other people yeah <laughs> that's kind of her character that she uh it's kind of mentions later she trusts code better more than so than humans so in this cave also as well basic it is discovered this is where basically they start introducing this idea that bernard can start seeing past timelines correct like he can kind of almost like it's like a ghost of himself walking and in this cave where he's placed elsie is the entrance to a little bit like Dolores' experience in the first season. Yes. Kind of being able to see multiple kind of timelines as one. Yeah. Kind of experience sure. everything. His own reveries. Yes. Um, it must have been her face when she sees the tablet and he's like spazzing out. And she's like, holy shit, you're a host. I felt like her reaction was like it's a revelation to her. But then yeah. it, like it's not so like, holy shit. Like it's more of like, oh, that makes total sense now. Yeah. <laughs> And then the thing about her that I remember was she was so curious about the minds of the hosts, and she liked the hosts so much. Yeah. 
which is why she was such an awesome character during the first season. So when they killed her off, you know, as they did, yeah. they didn't really kill her. If a character doesn't die on screen in a TV show, there's a good chance they're not dead. Yeah, unless they are Stannis Baratheon. Yeah. So one thing I was saying, I think, on the first episode of the season was I believe that we're going to see more and more of these secret labs pop up all around the different parks and they're going to be very important we're going to be like searching for them very similar to the hatches from the dharma initiative on lost and you'll see it later we'll get to it later but they're they're numbered he's like oh this is the 12th one and i like the the secret passage was very cool and the reveal to how he was seeing the different timelines and the versions of himself was done in a very unique and clever way it wasn't just a flash to another time as in a regular flashback they want us to think hey this is bernard seeing his old memories it's not actually just like a visual flashback to what happened because what's actually happening is bernard's remembering so we're seeing him watch it i thought was brilliant yeah yeah another great directorial decision yeah they do they do two versions of it where he's framed twice so it's like he's seeing himself yeah and then there's other times where they do the more traditional way where it's like it starts to kind of flicker. Yeah. And then he kind of goes into basically himself. The memory and we just see the regular memory itself. Yeah. So yeah. They, they kind of, uh, I think, do a good job of also setting up first that it is he's looking back upon the memory by seeing himself, um, which I think is a, a, a great uh, kind of special effect that they sort of basic camera tricks, you know, <laughs> to make it uh, look like himself. Does he ever look through his glasses? barely he always looks over his glasses right yeah i mean it's more of like a looking (laughs) down kind of effect i think a lot of people that have like reading glasses they have like a short kind of thing they don't need it for for... so he's always got them below unless he needs to look is that what's maybe going on i think obviously it's a character trait i think the original arnold because was he was had a he had problems reading up close, but he could right. see from far away. So he Pretty would deep. just leave them on. It's yeah. I like it. It's such a fun character trait for him. He's still my favorite character on the show. And this episode only reinforced that. I think he is still, I think, one of my top favorites. But then I think William has sort of become my, oh, I my mean, new, yeah, my the, new, he's, like kind of he's one I want to watch the most. Rising so. up the ranks. Okay, <laughs> so he makes it inside, blows her mind. She had no idea. Yeah, because she thought she was aware of certain laboratories, but clearly by scene with Charlotte, uh, Gail's character with her opening the lab and then, which is still ahead. Is it still ahead in this one? No, 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 because he gets taken. Right. Um, so she's, he's already seen the other lab with Charlotte. That was before this. Yeah. Um, in when, which, when he enters this one. Yeah, 12. Yeah, it has 12 on it. But actually, if you take a look at the symbol when it pops up, we saw that symbol. Remember, it was drawn. But if you actually look at it, not only does it look like two Ds intersecting, but it also looks like an hourglass. Uh, which? With the sand in the center. That makes the most sense. It, this is very, which is again, like this is very like also. Dharma Initiative uh, yeah. little lab stations Yep, with different symbols. It's just like, yeah, it's Fuck, has a lot it. of the. I love it. It's so good. <laughs> um and then she kills the drone host correct because they basically find the bodies of three human scientists yeah and then there's one drone that's still alive that she shoots dead yeah she blows his head right off i love the drone hosts i think they're very cool yeah it's a cool like intimidating scary sort of thing with to make you realize oh yeah they are they are hosts they are the robots like if you strip them down you take away what makes them look human it's like, yeah, these are very... It's like, these are the creatures. Yeah. Like, this, this is the is... monster behind the mask. Yeah, this is what they really are in a right. lot of ways. Yeah, so in this lab, it's like these guys were... Before we get... We're not going to get to when they... We'll find out later what the what the true purpose of the lab is. Yeah, but there's bodies just yes. everywhere. And they are making red versions of the little brain uh, kind of a symbol. Well, actually... A, basically brain device. It was a little bit of that and something else. So there's this one shot of a very specialized 3d printer yeah it looks and like it a piece looks, of art <laughs> well it looks like they're making neurons like it looks like they're making a actual brain. brain yeah and i believe that that's what goes inside the red ones as opposed to the white ones which are more digital yes so i think that obviously they're making a different type here and then on top of it if you remember what was with charlotte's kind of lab they were copying the dna of hosts yes out of and basically take them out of the um 
the hosts that like had had the information they were gonna and they're copying them in a certain way what do you think overall if we get to the big topic what do you think they are making with that brain what do you think this is for well that's it feels silly to believe it's anything but a human turned robot not a host that imitates human life but a human life replicated as a host a new a new form of being that's neither host or human in many ways yes what they were attempting to succeed with the senior Delos, Delos, James Delos. Correct. Which is, this scene ends with her noticing the door and breaking into it. Um, I didn't realize until after later what, what, what they were going to make the connection to. Right. Because I thought the James Delos scenes were in some separate world, not completely underneath Westworld. And that's the, the big reveal here. Um, but before that, Bernard needs another shot of his white goo. Yeah, the cortical fluid. Yes. Do you have any thoughts about that as far as... Yeah, anything? they need to like, take like a jug of it with him. He needs like a camelback, like an IV drip. Yeah. She should also... And it's smart for her to not do this. She wants to be able to leverage this, but she should also just repair the damage in the meantime. Yeah, but I think for her... And I think this is actually another kind of question I have for you. It, she is right not to trust him. To a degree. Oh, of course. But do you think, because uh, the episode later kind of ends with her being, are you like, like, are you going to be okay? Like, can I trust you? And he's like, yeah. It's like, do you believe, so do you believe in the, in the future episodes, will Bernard hurt Elsie again? No. You don't think? Not that? on purpose. Yeah. So yeah, purpose. I think that's the now, aspect though. I we're think... both curious about why isn't she with Bernard in the future when he wakes up on the beach? Where yep. is she? Yep. She clearly hasn't found other people and told them about Bernard because they don't know he's a host. Yep. So it is very possible or something bad happens that to Bernard her. a host. Yeah. Wait, what was that? Or is that Bernard a host? It is very possible it could not be. It's very possible. Because... There is someone that is. I, I mean, well, I guess we'll get to that when we get to that with that flashback, right? Yeah, yeah. We'll get to that. Um, anything else with this sort of scene with the cortisone shot? <laughs> yeah, I, I just think like the whole idea where... It, they're going to set up. I think there's going to be some sort of confrontation later between them at some point here because she's not with him later. So either she leaves by by, by choice or by not. So yeah. Um, so where do we head next out after the lab? So then we finally catch up to what happened to the woman from Raj World uh, after she's captured by native yes. hosts. Emily. And uh, is that? Do we know her name by this time? We've. I mean, we don't know her name yet, but I mentioned earlier yeah. in the episode that we do find out at the end of the episode that Emily. The new woman is the man in black's daughter. She gets brought to a campsite in which other guests and or park employees are being taken together. We see Ashley Stubbs. The other Hemsworth is there. It's weird his name is Ashley. Ashley. It's a very us, but it reminds me of Gone with the Wind with Ashley Wilkes. Mm. The love interest of Scarlett or the, of his of her desires. I like that he's reclaiming it. He's making it a very like tough name because he's the security guy. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think a tough. If it, uh, you really don't want to fuck with a tough guy named Ashley, no, you don't. Like, that's I wouldn't you know it's really bad. <laughs> no, I also wouldn't want to fuck with a Hemsworth because if I piss him off, like then I'm gonna does, have to deal with Chris. He and I don't want to do that. But the last time we saw him was he what got captured by natives too. Yes. in season one. So another person just like Elsie that. We saw we disappear, yeah. but we didn't know the fate of until until episode one of this season, right? We show up later, but they also then they begin they get tied to uh, logs like the Ewoks do to uh, the friends in yeah Return of the Jedi, and they start carrying them away. And who was there? But the couple from season one. Yep, the guy that kills Hector. Yeah, at the end of season one, episode one, and that guy l- was loving Westworld. Yeah, she so they was... must have been there for. They were like, let's keep staying here beyond yeah. the day. I mean, I really think that everything that's happened in the show has taken place in just a couple of weeks so far. Correct. Yeah, it, it definitely, you, you kind of forget that because you think it takes a long time. And also because they cut between all these timelines, right. you kind of forget that the, the, I guess there really is no main timeline. But whatever, you know, the through line is, sometimes it's, it, it takes a while. So it makes it seem like, oh, yeah you're we're not it doesn't take place over weeks it's more more like days if anything i think and we'll get to it later but i believe that the catalyst the thing that pushed over the final event of this show were whatever was being made in that lab was finally completed yeah 
And that was the the signal to Ford to move forward with his reveries, to move forward with the picture for Peter Abernathy, bringing the man in black like back into fold and launching all of his pieces that he's had in place forever. I don't think this was something he was slowly trying to like do forever. This was something he's planned for a long time, and it was finally the right moment for him to strike, which is why all of this has happened in such a short period of time. Yeah, it's something he... We don't know exactly when he set this in motion, right? Because we don't really get a lot of young Anthony, uh, young Ford, basically. We I think we're we're led to believe the catalyst was the picture with Abernathy, but I believe that the catalyst was actually the thing we learn later in this episode. Yes, I, but I think there is two, multiple catalysts as far as sure. I, I believe Ford's plan has changed slightly, in my theory, at least. I think he started off a certain way. And then as he has found out information about what... Because there is multiple parties involved trying different things. Yes. And trying to outgame each other and take over... And basically take over this technology and best use it for their own advantage. Yes. Any other thoughts about this, Emily and Ashley? I didn't particularly know what the point of it was other than to show her introduction as a character. But I actually feel like the one thing i don't have a lot of theories or thoughts about which i believe we're meant to and i believe it was meant to speak more to us is their whole plot in this episode i think it's supposed to be more important than i was able to ascertain i'm going to need to give it an additional viewing and maybe look into some of this stuff because i don't know exactly what they were trying to say with this maybe not necessarily in this scene i think it's a hint about in this scene a little bit but she is someone that like she knows every detail yeah, about and- this world and about the care. And she mentions kind of like often people will overlook the storylines just for the whole like f- effect of the world. Just to right. kind of take it, where she actually takes the time to study the languages of other sort of like the natives. And I'm, I'm assuming other things in the other parks. Yeah. Um, she just seems like a master level. Maybe, but all of that yeah. just lead me to believe she's the man in black's daughter. It doesn't say anything about like where these characters are headed on their own personal journey and for the show as a whole. Like almost every other scene seems to speak, but that yeah. doesn't speak to anything about the show or her character as a person in any other way, which it feels like there was a lot of a lot of drama and theater that they built up here to say like this person's important. Yeah. Well, I think that her is her character is going to be defined a lot by her relationship with William. Sure, that's true. And how they did it because it seems like to me William has spent a lot of time in this world in this park, and it seems like his daughter has also done it, and maybe in a way to try to bond with him or try to understand him. Uh, you know, kind of like a way like a child would emulate their parents. Yeah, trying to do so. Uh, All right, going so back go to William and Lawrence. Uh, they make it to Lawrence's hometown, which is okay. So this is a great mirror, or I guess revisit from, the first from season, uh, season one, episode two. Yeah, in which they go to Lawrence's hometown. Yep, um, where they run into now Major Craddock and his sort of band of uh, rogue Confederate soldier guys who were let go by Teddy in the last episode. Um, they went to this town. They took it over. Took all the the residents hostage are shooting random ones to try to find their stash of weapons and poison and explosives and stuff like that. I thought it was a great overall, just this whole sequence, just the way they mirrored what it was before. When William came to this town with Lawrence initially, he was the bad guy. He was the one that was so confident because he couldn't get hurt. He would sit down. He would basically take apart his gun to put like the bullets out. And then, but then he realizes that he's given ambushed and he can't right. do it the same way. Uh, Major Craddock basically takes over that role and he becomes the villain of the town and even does things that William used to do when he came to this town, such as I thought it was really cool the part where uh, he starts dancing with Lawrence's wife the same way while making the whole speech about death and you know certainty and all that stuff. Interesting to me that this character, I thought he was going to have something really meaningful to do and in many ways he did here with William but I thought him surviving would have it would have been something that would have come up later in the series and they very quickly utilized this character I I think he kind of went to his natural conclusion here in a lot of ways where I I'm I'm fine not maybe seeing him whereas like the the um 
La Pazzo, whatever the Gus Fring yeah. character. I want to see more of that because we just really didn't get any. Sure. Whereas, like he kind of has his purpose was to show William to a degree, you know, the the true meaning of what death is. Which you know, death is truth is the kind of quote in this scene, um, in the sequence here, which I think is is true. It's like basically part of this whole journey, which is this episode, is about William realizing that to be immortal. It's it's all it's a, a lie. What did you think of with the imagery in the church and that guy standing in front of Jesus after he witnessed his own men brought back to life? He definitely has a god complex. Yeah, you know, I think that's uh, that was Craddock's whole sort of mo here is that he he believes he was re- like regenerated, not realizing he was simply just brought back online by a technician. You know, he thinks he literally was shot in the heart and death spared him yeah this episode has a lot of themes of rebirth in it over and over again yes, yes. It, it's interesting i believe and i'll talk about this later but I, I think that they're really hinting at the fact that someone is going to be or already has been reborn within the park but we don't know who yet in a way in which bernard was for arnold yeah in a very different way and instead of as a line of code that can be altered and manipulated it'll be in the way that you know delos but, I mean, we're going to get to that. Yeah. I love the shots because the next scene, we go back to the lab. We go back to Delos again. It's another version of his experiment. I love the shots of the record player on the top, and you see the circle spinning. Yeah, the cycle. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it reminds you of the maze. Yep. That's what the imagery is on that. Yeah, and then him on on his sort of uh, exercise cycle. Also, yeah, so there's all this motif about circles in this entire sequence. The entire room is a circle. I'm surprised Matthew McConaughey didn't show up and say, you know, time, time is, is a, a flat circle. circle. Yeah, time is a flat circle. <laughs> you know, there's a moment in this scene where he's looking at himself in the mirror, and it's like he doesn't quite recognize himself. Something feels I off noticed, to him. Did you notice that his eyes were dilating in a certain way? Yeah. They were almost like, like cat-like. And I think that's what he's looking at. It's like he's noticing that his pupils are, you know, sort of tw- twitching, basically, in a certain way. Um, they also show every time him pouring the coffee... He twitching. pours the cream into the coffee, and it twitches. But each time, it's a little bit different. Like, a little bit better. For instance, this scene, he didn't actually spill it. He shook, yeah. but none of it spilled over the edge. And then they always cut to that shot over top of it, of, of it spinning. Again, another circle, just yeah. going going around and around Repetitive, in a circle. sort of. Incredible cinematography in this episode. Yeah. I think just, like, the visual imagery here is, like, I think they do a great job. So, again, you know, kudos to the director and the cinematographer and all the sort of the creatives behind this did you i started to feel bad for him almost by the end of this yeah i mean in the same way you know not tying not to tie it back to uh, desmond and loss but right the way that desmond had to type in the numbers over and over again for years what's interesting to me is william i actually felt a little bit bad for this second time we see him he looks kind of forlorn like this is starting to wear on him because it seems like he actually really wanted to bring him back originally and now it's like crushing him because he keeps seeing this guy and he reminds him of his father-in-law and he knows it's failed again and he has to go do this again it's like how many times can you punish this being this mind and like put it to fire over and over again before like it really starts to just yeah and i think that's kind of shows that you know it takes a piece away from him is like it breaks down not only james's humanity but but Williams as well, which ties into his whole story and like the way the reason why maybe his wife killed himself is because he was pouring his life into this work, which was not only which is already like morally horrible, but it, I right. think it just takes the, the the repetition of always trying and failing um, with something like this, and especially when the work you're doing is so personal. You know, this is your father-in-law that you essentially have promised internal life through this method but got you have to see the whole how the sausage is made and seeing him go through this is just now in the first season we're led to believe that it was logan who used the sins of westworld to show william of his darker nature and to show him that none of this stuff is real yeah and that's sort of what turned him into this bad guy i i believe that like as you just said this probably played a lot more into that. I think so. I think he realized two things in this sort of like initial adventure in the park with Dolores was that, you know, not only about the whole, you know, this like a way to the sins of the park, but 
this is what then we, he goes to pitch to James about the benefits of this, which is not which is one one a money making machine because people want to come to pay to be here to sin in peace, but also it is the key to immortality in a lot of ways with the technology that they're making is that you no longer can anyone die. It was really rough for him too to speak to his father-in-law. He tells him here about how it's been seven years now that he's been gone and he's like, well, I want to get back to my wife. And he's like, you can't. Yeah. She had a stroke and died too. He's gone. Yeah. And he just starts to rake apart and you see William's face. It's like crushed. Because this probably isn't the first time he's had to deliver that news to him. It's like, how many times can you tell a man that his wife's gone? Yeah, I think it can really, especially, it, it's not like a way that a doctor has to tell. Right. Because it's it's not the same person every time. It's imagine trying to keep, and I'm sure the first time he told him, it was more emotional or something. Like that, and he basically had to, now by the 30th time having to do it, it can really take a toll on you. Yeah, you really would think that's how it would go. We actually got to see him break down a lot more on this one, James Sellos. He starts stuttering a lot, and he gets stuck like one of the hosts glitching out, which we didn't really quite see the previous time. And then we actually see him incinerate. Uh, we also learned that Logan did die of an overdose. Is that in... This is... That's a little bit later. Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking overall, like, oh, the yeah. whole thing with the family dying. I think that came up previously but i could be wrong uh it was hinted out basically the last time we see logan he was talking to dolores right and party. he was and he was doing drugs he's basically right. looking strung out and right. i think it was implying that his life was going to be so yeah i just thought it was really interesting when we got the view of the tablet that the lab tech was using and we just get to see how documented and regular this seems to them like it she's rebooting a server yeah and it's very like you put so much work into it and then you in a blink of an eye it's gone and kind of how they have to recreate everything they just burn it all it's like you would think that they would take the just him out to incinerate him well so that's the thing is um i don't believe that what goes inside him is the same as the other hosts i think it's a lot more complex than that because it's organic the computer that's in him instead of it being mechanical so it operates and functions probably more like a real brain, which is my guess why they incinerate it. Also, probably because they don't want any evidence of this. They want the one and only version of him to ever exist. With yeah, the no, no, version. I understand uh, incinerating him. Oh, I'm talking about incinerating the entire room with him. Oh, yeah, it was weird that they incinerated <laughs> the room. Yes, like so, they I had agree. to recreate every you know piece of furniture and detail and book and. Stuff I agree like that. that it's weird they incinerated the room. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of like oh, that's kind of a waste. Um, right. Back with Lawrence and William Craddock. Uh, there's this thing with the poison. The nitro. Yeah, the nitro. nitroglycerin. Yeah. So dynamites. Uh, yeah. I at first I, I was this in season one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They used it at the great train robbery okay yeah i was i forgot about it and i was like trying to think of like is this po- like nitro or is it like just an extreme is it poison is it an extreme form of like, both like tequila yeah so um because they kind of use it for everything and so the devil's tequila yeah nitro so there's something funny with the or not funny but interesting with the uh the waiter he is shaking so craddock puts the uh um, the poison basically in a shot glass makes him hold it up and then blows his hand off with it. So I thought it was uh, kind of a cool imagery with that. The the uh, with the bartender he meets his fate. Uh, what else, did you have any other thoughts? Well, I thought it scene? was interesting how small the explosion was here compared to later. I thought he didn't really hit the hit the nitro though. He just blew off the hand. I mean, basically, I would think that any impact that would blow off the hand would blow the nitro. Yeah, considering that later. It does. A I felt bad for this poor guy. He's walking away from him, and he's just shaking. This guy's trembling so much. This guy's a sick motherfucker. I was so excited to see Craddock get it at the end of this episode, especially in the way that he did. Yeah, I think he he gets his sort of his, what is due to him, and and that's what I'm saying. It tied into his. I think his character came to a proper end, which he needed to, because the show, you know, it's like obviously westerns are all about good versus evil. It's kind of a very common thread, and this. Show has done a good job of turning that on its head, and everyone that's been good has been evil, and vice versa. And this is a very classic Western yeah. kind of stuff. And it was here. interesting to see the way that they tried to play the audience with the Man in Black, where he's like, 
I'm not a good guy. He's like, I'm not here to help you. But he yeah. actually was the whole time. He was just playing them until it was the right time to do it. Was it, though? Was it kind of like... Or or do you think that maybe he was convinced by the screams of his wife and the child? Do you I think, think that he saw a bit of that him? in the moment later here in the rain. Interesting. Of, of doing that. Uh, before we talk about, though, what did you think about Emily and Ashley? They get taken to, like, basically this lake bed. Um, well, this is this is part of what I was talking about earlier. Because when yeah. I was talking about the Native Americans, I meant every sequence with the Native Americans. It This feels like there's supposed to be some level of significance so that I personally didn't read into now i didn't go online and read anyone else's breakdowns of it maybe i'll do that after this but i, I try to avoid that because i, I don't i don't want to yeah. read things that inadvertently we shouldn't know and with this i i didn't quite get what's going on here with them is it do you, is it that the native americans are never actually able in their narratives to win and so the ultimate conclusion of their arc is always theatrical and so there was no bark to their bite and that's why they get away or does their tribe have some sort of prescribe some sort of meaning to life that the other sort of narrative characters don't that differently that they were attacking and killing hosts apparently but saving humans so for instance when they wanted to take in the last episode lee it sounds like they weren't going to kill him. Kill him. They were going to save him. And then also before that, when they they go back and review the um, the sort of data of the one of the native characters, um, when it's the it's the present present, right? Carl Strand. It's like Dolores says, like you can, you know, like there seems to be a conflict between them, and that they have they seem to have a motivation and some a drive that is opposite from the other hosts that have gone more uh, have gone rogue. Um, and that I think is a great theory. Um, and yeah, so I, I think that that is is true. Maybe and also because they bleed in other, they're able to sometimes see things in the park. Why? It's why they like you know they make the little deities off of the technicians that come in. Yeah, and they're able to kind of see that. When Emily escapes from the scene, she basically grabs a torch and whacks a few dudes and runs away. They it doesn't it's unclear whether they chase her or they just go their own separate way. Right. Because they just disappear. I was very confused, and I didn't quite understand why they didn't give chase, why they just let her go. Well, there's something that interesting. So basically, they're about to stab or slice the throat of Ashley's stubs. And one guy says to him, you only live as long as the last person who remembers you. Mm-hmm. So that quote was very interesting. And it also, I know it has references outside of the show. Yes. In the show, it's also very clearly referencing James Delos, who... James Ellis will live as long as someone remembers him, and that someone is William. And the second William decides it's time for him to end, James Delos ends. So in a way, when William forgets James Delos, when he says, like, we're not meant to do this, at the same time, he sort of forgets about him. He leaves him in the past. That's when James Delos dies. So it's also a reference to the way in which James Delos is being kept alive through his memory, through William. Yeah, and that only is important to the people that actually remember him. Right. And it's this idea, it's like, if you're immortal, but if you're the only immortal person, you will die by the time, the, you know, sort of people forget who you are. Or like, you know, you could live through them. It's like the idea of like Wolverine, you know, like he can live forever almost. Right. And he can outlive everyone that's ever known him. So he kind of constantly has to be, you know, sort of changing his life in that way. And not he can't be who he always is. He's like, I'll be a teacher next time. Yeah. <laughs> Wolverine the teacher. Um, Wolverine does algebra. Yeah. He'd be a great history teacher. I think you know, he'd be a great shop class teacher. Yeah. He'd be able to cut things. Yeah, that's true. If he needs to. We were talking about the Lakota tribe. The guy says that. So so he says that line, and then he lets him go. Like, that's it. Yeah. Weird. Yes. I mean, obviously, they. I think they're going to keep popping up here a couple times. And not. And maybe not just in Westworld. Yeah. I think they're going to pop up, or at least this idea of what, the, what they're bringing in Shogun World, too. Yeah. I think there's. I think we're later in the season. We're going to see some different philosophies per se. Um, so it seems like they are operating under a higher level than what we think. And so yeah. clearly they they are sort of uh, got some other agenda going. Which on. it's interesting that Dolores is killing them and saying that they don't deserve salvation. Yes, because she is under the belief that anything human is wrong. And so if you're protecting them, that, yeah, then you're, you're counter to what her. I'm thinking more and more that, yes, she is the villain. Yeah, or she is a villain. 
yeah, it's so hard to say who is the villain. This is definitely a very complex show. <laughs> one so, of the main villains. So next up, we get what ultimately ends up being the best firefight in a little while. Such a great action scene. Yes, and tying into this whole thing about the you know living forever, you know immortality versus death. William is inspired by this notion that Craddock talks about you know he because he was killed and reborn he understands death and i it sort of inspires william to believe it's like well no it's like death is truth with it which is means by dying you're not coming back it right it's like the the ultimate truth of everything whereas like if you can constantly come back what is what is truth you know what it, it's there's no consistency and that's after william is they you know they they sit down and they have this talk but he's witnessing craddock just beat the shit out of Lawrence. Lawrence is getting his ass kicked by him. And William's also watching his wife be danced with, as you brought up earlier, very similar manner that William had done in the first season. So we're, we're watching these people be tortured. Yeah. And then it cuts in between this notion that this wife is walking with a glass of nitro to his husband, what we assume is going to get shot and explode. Mm-hmm. And it cuts in between William remembering the moment he found his wife dead in the bathtub yeah and the water really of, powerful yeah i i think th- so this is where the moment where he realizes again yeah you're right it, it wasn't necessarily his plan the whole time yeah so i think i think he did go th- i think he's like i need to get to this thing by any means necessary but then him realizing his own in a way moral compass that he had lost i think in this moment he gets it back in in um in his own way by remembering like it's like I lost somebody. I lost a lot of people in my life because of the way I've poured myself into this. Right. And now it's time to change that. And I think it's sort of we're getting a, we're sort of unlocking him in a lot of ways with this with this character. What do you think of the the firefight here? It was it was amazing. You know, the thing is, I'm always a little bit scared now for the man in black because he can actually be killed and he is an older guy. Yeah. But the way he took down Craddock by stabbing him in the neck with the bottle. And then I love how much detail they pension, they pay attention to with, for instance, how much ammo he has. You know, he has yeah. a six shooter, so he's always having to reload it. He's checking it. He gets he actually like takes a, a nick. He gets nicked in, in the side of his neck. He's not impenetrable like he was in the first season. So watching him in action is always awesome. Yeah, and I think in the in the season one when he can't die, he's more just like I'm standing out in the middle without yeah. cover. And this one, it's it's so nice to see him having to like strategize in the moment. How am I going to take out these guys that surrounded me and using cover and everything like that? I think is great. Why is she covering the nitro? I mean, I guess nitroglycerin is very unstable. Yeah, and if I you think watch maybe Lost, if you if it gets, <laughs> yeah, again, if it's like uh, Leslie Art knows that. Uh, dynamite is very unstable he grabs craddock pours the nitroglycerin down his mouth which is interesting because he has he should have a giant hole in his neck first of all it's amazing he made it he crawled out into the rain in the first place which seems like a mistake right yeah (laughs) i think he's trying to get away or trying to find this he's actually going to the guns that's what he was oh good point uh trying to get the the rifles but we got a great moment where then Lawrence grabs one of the new guns, uses it to shoot Craddock. He explodes, so he can't be brought back anymore. No, he's he's done. He's dead. That he's is the though. end of Craddock. Um, Craddock r- was resurrected. He had his three days. He's gone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anything else about this uh, scene? No, it was awesome. I yeah. just I loved watching his uh, weaselly ass explode. He's great. I think he's. A, I think that's a good actor. I like. I just like oh, his performance overall. He was great. He was a great yeah. actor. To the point where, like, I hated the character so much. Like, I wanted to see him go down. Yeah. He was a great actor. But, yeah, again, this is, like, the point I brought up, though. It, this is the most western-y scene I think yes. we've had so far in the season. Yes. Um, because, in many ways, it is a western show now. Yeah, yeah. In, in a way that it wasn't in the first season. Yeah. I, I think it was great. We get back to one of the final James Dello scenes. Yeah. In which now He's got a new Ed lab Harris's tech. An older man. This is uh, he's got a new assistant, which shows the timeline has passed. He poured an almost perfect cup of coffee. Yep, or his milk into barely a shake on that cream. Yeah, that was. Um, uh, you know, William comes in. His wife has just died. 
he explains to him once James kind of figures it out again that he's in this time loop. William says a lot of things about, I realize I made a mistake. Being immortal sucks. Nobody is like, he's like, basically, it's like, nobody wants to live forever, especially your, like, you know, shithole <laughs> body. He's like, I don't even know why I try to keep you alive. You're like an asshole. Um, it was almost like a subtle jab at, not to bring politics into this, but almost a subtle jab at Trump. Uh, and this because he's like you're basically a philanderer you you know like screw people and business it's like you're an asshole it, i thought like the way he described yeah. him yeah was certainly like almost like there was a subtle reference to certainly <laughs> now it was interesting william comes in and he says it's been a long time which means it seemed that he hadn't been visiting for a while yes but he also points out that this is the 149th Yes. Version that they've created. So maybe there was but most some time. of them only lasted like a week or two. You know, the text says this one lasted 35 days. Yeah. So but then you think about time between they have to build building. each one so. and then they're making changes to everything each time. Yeah. And, and the D R&D in between it, you know, sort of perfecting the technology because right now we're at the current timeline, basically. So we're within, we're within weeks of the events of Westworld of the show. If John, if you want to cheat the devil, you owe him an offering. Yes. This is what he says here. Here, I'm going to lay down a theory for you. And the reason yeah. I'm going to lay down the theory for you is this conversation they have is when, you know, they really go into not only is your wife dead, but your daughter's dead, my wife. And he's telling him, we're done here, as you said. The world doesn't need us to live forever. Yeah. This was a mistake. You're a mistake. I'm a mistake. This is This is the William that is... I believe days, if not week or two before the current events in Westworld. This is yeah. the man in black's like final journey in Westworld. This is where I think he starts going on a tear and he's finding the maze and he's figuring it out. Yeah. Delos goes and he starts calling for Logan, but the very interesting piece is they brought up twice. They really wanted to, res- they really wanted to remind us that the man in black, his wife killed himself. And in the first season he says that, she killed herself because she was afraid of what he might become because she knows what he is. Yeah. I believe that the man in black may be the new host that's being created. And he might already be a host. And maybe the offering for if you want to cheat the devil is you have to offer your own life up. And I believe that ever since the wedding, sorry, I was calling it like the red wedding, ever since the, <laughs> the, the, the CEO Arnold, massacre, the, Ford, the Westworld yeah, massacre, the Ford, yeah, the Westworld massacre. Ever since that massacre, I believe the current man in black that we're witnessing is possibly a replicant. And I'm not, I don't know if we call it a host because it doesn't have a host mind. It would have his own mind. And now he's on his own journey of discovery. And that's why the current game is for him. A couple of things. I think that is a great theory. And one way to think about it also is at the end of season one, when the sort of forwards game gets initiated, he kind of gets, he's like way outside the party when it happens. And he gets kind of shot in the arm. Right. And then the next time you see him, he's underneath a body in the middle of the party. Yes. So it's like, well, how did he get there? Was he just planted there? Yes. But his his, his arm was shot. It, like It was consistent as far as like it seemed like the same guy. Yeah. It's, it's certainly possible. It's certainly possible. He could have died right before that even. Maybe he got killed by Dolores. Remember, we saw Dolores attack him right at the end. And she like breaks his arm. When he's at that party, his arm's fine. Yeah. What if at that party, that's already the new host? I mean, it's possible. So, What if he's been dead ever since the, that attack from Dolores, and Dolores isn't looking for him because she knows he's, she thinks he's dead? I, 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 yeah, I don't know. I think I don't, I'm not ready to commit to that theory yet. It's, I mean, it's, it's one of a number of theories. Like, the my, question is who yeah. has been made? Yes, like, the question is who may or, and that's what, let's tie us into what happens after this, which is, more of the Elsie uh, Bernard stuff of like the red ball, the red orb, like what right. the, you know, what was Bernard taking out of that lab? Yeah, we see Bernard and Elsie make it into the lab where Delos was, and Delos is still alive. Yes, and the unfortunate assistant, new assistant guy was killed. Which lets us also know. So this is clearly right before the current events in the massacre of Westworld. If Delos is still alive in there, yeah. it has not been long after. Everything that happened in that lab was very shortly after. So yeah. it's possible that Bernard went and killed all those people in the lab, like right before the massacre. Yeah, I think while he was basically 
cleaning up right before all that was went down. In fact, he could have done it and then knocked out Elsie and went and locked her up there that same day. That could have all been like a one night thing. Yeah, or he knocked her up broader and then went down to the lab with the, yes. the protectors and then killed everybody. But I thought, okay, so the, the, I think the best badass, the most like, I'm like, oh shit moment was when she when Elsie opens the door and it's like red. Oh my gosh. And you're like, oh fuck. It was like, like I was in Snoke's throne room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess. that's. I, I didn't have that same feeling, but. Um, well, it was just very dramatic imagery. Yeah. No, it did remind me of that. It reminded me a lot of Science of the Lambs. And Hannibal Lecter and his like cage, yeah. you know, thing um, of just kind of real, and then realizing that like there's a monster in there because mm-hmm. the when we last you know see Jim Dale, he's like basically turning into a monster, right? And it's like kind of cool to see. Also got a little bit of um, uh, Event Horizon with it. I don't know if you've yes. seen that movie a while with yes. like at the end yes. he's all scarred up and looking yeah. all crazy. Also, the room itself reminds me a little bit of the end of 2001: A Space Odyssey. Yeah, it's a lot too. Sort of like he needs to become this thing that's beyond man, and he's sort of in that like weird, perfect room. Yeah, and, but so tying in with your theory about you think that William, he, and he doesn't realize it, is this new human-host hybrid. Yeah, he's thing. he's not human anymore. He's immortal. He's a, an immortal. And that's being. and I think so. Like if Juliet, his wife, Delos's daughter, found out what they were doing. If yeah. she found out he's been there destroying him and she finds out he was going to become a robot. She can't deal with that. Right. She was like, also, That's maybe it's like the monster he's do she it was worried me. about him being. Yeah. Also, like, I don't want to be that. So she, I'm going to kill myself now. Right. And I so bet. I think that might be what she saw in him. That might be the evil and the darkness because it never made sense to us. We were like, well, he seems like he's fine on the outside. Yeah. So what was the thing that set her over? And it's got to be this because they tied her suicide into this so much. Yeah, I mean, I, yes, it doesn't again, make it, him a host, but this is definitely. A I think part maybe of her. like he sees it going down that path, right? And maybe, but I still think it's personally that she killed herself because she knew he was going down this path, and he hasn't become it yet. Right. I'm just saying, like the fact that she, the reason she killed herself is the knowledge of it, not yeah. because he has done it, but because it could happen, yeah. and otherwise she hadn't known. My guess is she found out. Yeah, because my theory. My personal theory is that actually this is all still part of Ford's game. And what's in that red ball is actually Ford trying to – he his way. He basically yeah. caught wind of what they were doing. This is, this is going to be one of those theories that one of us is going to be right, one of us has to be wrong. Because I think it's like Ford's plan has changed, like we mentioned before, multiple times over the course of this like 30-year-plus period. Mm-hmm. Where I think he saw what Arna was doing change the game but like i don't think ford didn't have a plan or a game until arnold killed himself it was that loss of arnold that made ford see everything and see westworld in a different manner and set him on this path and then but i think now he's caught wind of or basically figured out what they were doing what delos was doing with james delos realizing they were trying to cheat immortality because he basically tells bernard in season one all about the story about lazarus right and being able we can now cheat death and what's the point about he he does lament about it though but then again he's never been the most honest storyteller so he could yes he could be he could have died that night when Dolores shot him in the head or he's going to he's un you know doing a plan that basically he will live to forever yeah and there's some interesting things that happen between Delos and Bernard he says there they said there were two fathers one b- above and one below and this is after he attacks Elsie yeah. and Bernard, which mirrors the, att- the when the host first showed up and starts walking towards them, and yeah. Bernard doesn't act, and she allows him to just kill the host. Yeah. This time, because it looks like a man, she didn't know what to do. She didn't fire at him fast enough, Yeah. and then the host attacked, and then this time Bernard intervened. It was interesting how he didn't want to hurt the host, but now this time he was like, I have to stop. Because it's, he's not really a host. Right. He's something Or different. is he? Because later she was like, what did I just kill in there? Like, I I hope that was a host. Yeah. But he says, you know, I heard there were two fathers, one upstairs, one one below. He said they lied. There was only ever the devil. And so this sounds like a religious connotation about the devil. You think you see God. It's really just the devil's reflection. Now, the the thing here is that he's looking down right now up at Bernard when he's saying this. He's laying on the ground looking up at Bernard. 
saying is looking back at him. And then we come to find out Bernard came into this office. He was aware of everything that was going on and he killed all these people. But even more so, there's also the talk of like two fathers being Arnold and and Ford. Yeah. Arnold Ford. Yeah. No, it makes. Yeah. I think there's that interesting theory there with, you know, Bernard stands over him as he dies and he says this to him. So you think that Bernard and Ford were had some knowledge of this experiment? Yes, yes I do. I, because this is why they get the investment from Dallas. Yeah, to save it. Yes, and the only alternate to your Ford theory and my William theory is that Arnold, the one who's got the shaky hand, he is what that ball was. It's for him. And the new Bernard is actually more of a version of Arnold than it was ever this Bernard. It's sort of a bicameral mind and so maybe that's why it'll work this time because it will be this sort of human mind tied to the mind of bernard and together maybe in tandem it'll allow there to be stability and that the current bernard we're seeing after the two weeks later is a totally separate one from this it's Uh, the one with the red ball because it's like it's the true yes what they were truly going so that's that's my other theory because there is that and my guess is it's it's either the man in black or it is this version of Bernard, but there is that host. We saw a host being built in that room yeah. that Ford had with Bernard. So who was that? I that's I think actually that's probably a really good alt alt theory here too. And I think actually because they show his handshake and his handshakes the way that Delos handshakes, not like the way his because when he's deteriorating now when he needs the cortical fluid, it's rapid. Yeah, he's on the ground. Remember there was that tablet it said he had like an hour left it was a very rapid decline now we're gonna find out if this is right or wrong probably very soon because this next time we see him in the whatever quote-unquote present day time is unless he's like dropping and getting cortical fluid yeah then that's not the same problem it's a different issue he has anything other with this uh laboratory scene i feel like we got covered you know you brought up she asked him if she can trust him and then we get the flash reveal of that he had the hosts all kill everyone when he takes that red ball, the mind, and then he actually curb stomped one guy's face into the grate. Yeah. Well, this brings up the idea: Do you think Bernard will hurt Elsie in the future? Right. You this did is what say they're that. basically implying with this is that he basically tells her no in this moment, but then remembers that he's done some horrible things to people in the name of whatever he was told to do or being commanded to do by Ford. Now, is he freer from her? Yes, but you know. Who knows? I think something's going to happen. Yeah, and I guess it's just the whole... I think it's meant to make us feel a little bit uneasy about Bernard because he just lied to her. Yeah. Which sucks because I love Bernard. I don't want to feel uneasy about Bernard. All right, so then we go final scene. Back to the man in black. Yeah, and he has a moment where him and Lawrence are riding up. They're going to get their posse and start riding. He has a sort of a return to the talk with this little girl that originally told him in season one about the maze. It's it's a Ford program, basically. It's Ford talking to him. And that's when we're bringing you back to the beginning, which mm-hmm. was, you know, if you're looking forward, you're looking in the wrong direction. Yeah. It, what do you believe that means? Because for me, I'm saying that it is telling us, the audience, and him, the character, that there's something that happened in the past that we're not looking at. And so that's why another reason why I think it's the man in black is no longer a human. Yeah, but I think in this episode, he... It, William did look into the past. That was just like that's yeah. what saw his change was that that's true. He what remembered why everything is the way it is, and so it's, that's what gave him. You know, that's what changed him in that moment. So in a way, it's like yeah, it's like that's a it's a running thing through everything here. Yeah, I guess what I'm saying is like with the game, she's saying if you're looking forward, you're going the wrong way because if he looks backwards, for him it feels like the end of the game. His end game is finding out that he has been replaced. And so he'd have to look back to see that, to see that he's no longer the William he thought he was. I think it's very possible, yeah. I think. Then we get this great, like, Red Dead Redemption riding <laughs> off into the sunset with this awesome gang of, you know, about a dozen dudes. Yeah. Who have all lined up to go with him and Lawrence now because he saved the town, which is awesome. And this amazing shot, this silhouette of who is revealed to be his daughter, Emily riding in front of the sun as it's setting you you just see her silhouette and then it she kind of looks closer like armistice closer. the one girl that like yeah them pull the thing at first i was like maybe it's her and like nope it's it, yeah it's emily so and then she rolls in and she just says hi dad and it's very hard to totally read what his facial expression is 
but I think he's really concerned now. Yeah, I think it's like he realizes. It. I think because in this whole they're setting up basically, there's nobody left but him. Right. And then you realize like, oh yeah, he still does have something in this world, in this life, to live and to fight for, which is his daughter. And obviously, we don't know where they've been in their you know timeline together as far as like what their relationship is like. Clearly, it's pretty strained. Um, but it, it seems like both of them post uh the death of the of William's wife seem to take refuge in going to the, these parks and you know just kind of immensing themselves in it so it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next episode or in the future with these two as far as like what what where this is leading with them did you have any other extraneous thoughts or theories or anything like that i mean i guess for for me everything this episode is who's in the red ball and What's the offering you got to make if you want to cheat the devil? Yes. What's the name of the next episode? So the name of the next episode is Akane no Mai. What does that mean? It is Japanese. Uh, oh, we're going to Shogun World. It is Japanese for the Deep Red Dance, which is, I'm assuming is the dance of death or the bloody dance of some type. I'm excited for that. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm assuming it's all going to be Maeve and crew in, in Shogun World. It's going to be the focus of that next episode. Christian, where can we find you? I'm at Christian underscore Humes. We are on the Sidehouse Network, Sidehouse.com, or you know you can just search for Watch World, or you could type in my name in iTunes for Christian Humes. Uh, and I'm John Murphy. Uh, you can find me at, at Johnny Be Good in LA on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, also, like I said in the beginning, if you like the show, please rate and comment on iTunes. Uh, give us give us your thoughts. Also, hashtag Watch World. Any questions, thoughts, answers, anything you want to do, be great. And we'll see you next time on episode five, which is I Can't No More on Westworld. And Christian, if you aim to cheat the devil, you owe him an offering. <laughs>